0: Today's scripture is Ephesians 5, verses 7 to 14. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things. That they do in secret, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, "Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, God. Good evening. How are you? Well, thanks for having us. <clears throat> My name is Steve Yang, and I am uh, an assistant pastor at Jamaica Plain Roxbury. And actually, the way I make a living is I'm actually a nurse recruiter, so I'm in health staffing as well. I'm actually from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm actually a gordon Conwell grad, uh, and I think I met Will, and uh, we were finished in 2007, and we went to Atlanta, Georgia to be a pastor there. And uh, at one point, we left the ch- church ministry to be in the health staffing industry. Uh, it wasn't really my plan or intent, but God's really uh, helped uh, teach us a lot uh, during that process, and humbled us a lot and uh, now we're in a place where uh, we're in a great city in Boston we've been here about a year that's Kendra my wife and we're just grateful to be here and part of this network actually when uh, we're deciding whether or not to come here to be part of this network we actually came I actually came here on my first trip I visited uh, Matt and David and I we got some uh, Mexican food and uh, thanks to Matt I'm here today so I would love for you guys to join me in prayer, uh, but before we do that, I want to ask that you guys uh, would actually pray for me. Uh, so if you guys can pray uh, for God to speak for me, and I would love to pray for you as well. So let's spend just a moment in silence doing that, and I'll open us up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask that your spirit will be among us in this place this very time. Without you, we are blinded to the gospel. We are blinded to the truth, to your love, to your goodness. Our natural bent is to hide, to run away from you, to have a natural allergy to the things that are good. And so, Lord, unless you are here to unveil our eyes, we cannot see. Unless we hear from your voice, oh Jesus, the one we need to hear from, we cannot hear. So, Spirit, we ask that you would be with us in this place. Open our hearts, open our eyes. Let us see the goodness. Let us see the truth. We pray that your spirit would penetrate our darkened hearts, our most, most stiffened hearts, and that you would make our hearts gallop and make them soft and make them fall at the feet of Jesus. I pray that you would be with me as I, as I look at your word. I ask that you would humble me, give me a sense of humility, at the same time a sense of boldness, because this stuff is good. This stuff is true. This stuff is good. I pray that you allow, allow us to see that this, this evening. We pray that you would guide my words, guide my thoughts, give me clarity of thought. We pray that you would make my heart leap as well. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to read you a quote. Let's start off with a TV quote, a quote from a popular TV show from the last 10 years, and I want to see if you can guess which show this is from. Quote, I just know there's something dark in me, and I hide it. I certainly don't talk about it, but it's always there this dark passenger. And when he's driving, I feel alive, half sick with the thrill of complete wrongness. I don't fight him. I don't want to. He's all I've got. Nothing else could love me, not even, especially not me. Anyone? Dexter! Dexter! (laughs) Thank you. Dexter. Dexter is a show of a forensic specialist. In fact, it is about the most gifted forensic specialist that the Miami Police Department has ever seen. The twist is that the reason why he's so good and the reason why he's always able to solve and decode the most puzzling murder mysteries with such ease is because secretly, he's also a serial killer. And besides this twisted plot and besides the unique, intriguing storyline, I think the reason why the show was such a hit was because it tapped into that with which we can all resonate, this darkness within, what Dexter calls this dark passenger. It always goes with us. It always seems to come along for the ride. We recognize that it's not quite us, but we feel like it's not something we can quite live without. Again, let's look at Dexter's monologue. He says about this dark passenger. When he's driving, I feel alive, half sick with the thrill of complete wrongness. I don't fight him. I don't want to. He's all I've got. Nothing else can love me, not even, especially not me. We've been going through the book of Ephesians as a network, as a church, multi-congregational church, and we've been looking now at Ephesians 5. And in this part of this chapter we find that the Apostle Paul is talking about this darkness within. And in many ways, this darkness within is not completely unlike Dexter's Dark Passenger. It is palpable. It feels very alive. It is overwhelmingly powerful at times and acts like it wants to take over. And yet to expose it, in many ways, feels like a death to us. Now, some of us are going through some really dark times. We're in dark places. Maybe we're going through, we have addictions. We have, you know, self-destructive habits or tendencies. And we're either oblivious to it or we've given in and we're just complacent. We don't care. And we've grown accustomed to this dark passenger. Others of us are desperate for help, but we fear exposure. We are terrified of what might happen if someone found out the truth. And wherever we are, the Apostle Paul wants to expose the darkness. He wants to not leave us in this darkness, but he wants to call us out of it. He wants to shed light on it, not in order to shame us, but in order to give us a greater experience of freedom. I mean, that's what we're after. Wouldn't that be great if we had that? If our shackles were removed and we had a greater sense of freedom and a greater sense of who we were, and we could truly be ourselves. That's where I would like to take us this evening. So I want to ask two main questions, two questions I would like to address this evening. First, how do we hide in the darkness? Second, how are we freed by the light? So two questions, how do we hide in the darkness, and then how are we freed by the light? First, how do we hide in the darkness? Now, darkness has a tendency to hide itself. It's very survival depends on it. Now, what happens when you shed light on darkness? Poof, it's gone. Darkness also has a tendency to hide everything around us. I mean, what happens when you have darkness? You just—if you, know, you have ever walked around in the dark, what happens? You might fall. You might get hurt. Have you ever walked around with your eyes closed? Have you guys ever tried that? I mean, what happens? I mean, first of all, we can get hurt. But also, secondly, if we're walking around with our eyes closed, all the stuff that's going around us, we're not really quite aware of exactly what's happening, and it keeps us from being able to enjoy all that we're meant to enjoy. And Paul would say, in many ways, we might be walking around with our eyes closed. That In very many ways, we might be walking around like the walking dead. This is why the Apostle Paul mixes metaphors around, and he likens... Walking in darkness as being dead or being asleep. Look with me in 5.14. Ephesians 5.14, he quotes what must have been some old hymn. It's not in the Old Testament exactly, but it seems to be an old hymn. He says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Awake, O sleeper, wake up, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, Tim Keller must have been the one who coined the phrase, sleepy Christians. I think he was the one. Sleepy Christians. Does that describe us? Sleepy Christians. I mean, is it possible that we're just going through the motions and just sleepwalking through life? Is it possible that we're actually walking in darkness and we don't even know it? Now, for some of us, we think that Christianity is a one-time decision. You know, sometimes, in the past, a... asked Jesus into my heart, and it was a one-time thing. But the present vibrancy of the gospel life, for many of us, is a foreign concept. Uh, you know, there's no vividness of the Father's love for us. There's no celebration in our hearts. Our hearts do not gallop over Christ's satisfaction on our behalf. There's no liveliness to the scriptures. It doesn't seem to come to life to us. It seems like a dead book a long, long time ago, and we wonder, what's it got to do with me? And instead, we live the way we want to live. We do what we want to do, and we live as if the gospel is just not true. In many ways, we act like and live like we are that dark passenger. The Apostle Paul would say that our old self, that dark part of our hearts that craves the lusts and appetites and just chases after those things, that old part, the old self, is no longer us. Is not who we are anymore. Now, have any of you guys ever had recurring dreams? Raise your hand if you've ever had a dream that seems to come over and over again. Now, I've had one. Uh, years after seminary, which is theology school, uh, I would graduate seminary at Gordon-Conwell, and years after, I would still have the same dreams over and over. And the dream was that I would go back into high school, and it was the day before a chemistry exam. (laughs) And I would wake up in the middle of the night, just, it, it, it would, I would find out shortly before that I would have a chemistry exam in like three hours. And I would have no time to study. I didn't have enough time to prepare, and I hate chemistry. Chemistry is like, I'm surprised I survived the class. But the chemistry is just beyond me. And I have a test I have to study for. And it's like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? And I would sort of wake up in the middle of the night, kind of half awake, half asleep, not sure what's going on, a bit confused, and wondering whether or not this was really happening. And the only way that I would be able to snap out of it is I would have to tell myself, Steve, dude, you finished seminary. You've already got a master's degree. So there is no way that you've got to go back into high school to take this chemistry test. Think about it. It just can't be real. Chill. Relax. Go back to sleep. Those days are over. The apostle Paul would say that our old self, that those days are over. We no longer have to give ourselves over to that dark passenger because that's no longer us. We used to be darkness, yes, but now you are light. You are children of light. So live like it. Live as if you're children of light. Now, we have been made alive with Christ. We have been raised with Christ we have been seated with Him in the heavenlies with Christ. We have been united with Him in His life, death, and resurrection. And we, have, we are told in the last chapter that we have put on Christ. That we wear Him. That we are Him. That is the new me. That is the new us. So, how does it make any sense that we will continue to live in darkness? Is It is completely asinine. Is incongruent for us to live like the gospel is not true. Paul would say of the old self, dude, those days are over. Live as you are. Live in the reality of who you are now, not who you once were. How do we know that we're living in darkness? How do we know that we're walking in darkness? I mean, it's got a tendency to cover up. I mean, sometimes we're sleep, sleepwalking. So how do we know that we're walking in darkness? I've got two diagnostic questions to help us. Two diagnostic questions to help us discern if this might describe us. First diagnostic. How much does our reputation matter to us? How much does our reputation matter to us? Now, if our reputation matters so much, and it means more to us than our desire and our need to be healed and to be transformed, then we might be walking in darkness. If our fear of being exposed that we have an addiction means more to us than the fact that we actually have an addiction that is destroying us, then we might be walking in darkness. Now, our heart's natural gravitational pull is to hide. Yes? It's to put up a reputation, to put up a representative to hide behind. Now, I want to confess to you That every time I preach, it is my temptation to hide behind my false representative of an intellect. And I have to fight against my false need to sound profound. And I always worry and wonder, will they like me? Will they think that I'm smart? Or will they find out, will I be found out? Will they think that I'm as smart as I want to portray? And somewhere in my story, I've come to believe the lie that the only way I'm going to be lovable is if I'm considered an intellect. That the only way I'm going to be worth your time is if I got something profound to say. And for me to bring this into the light helps dissolve it of its power. Because this false representative robs me of joy, it robs me of relationship. It robs me of being known. It robs me of being loved for me. I mean, that's what we want. Now, when a reputation is everything, then we do not allow other people into our hearts, into the dark places of our hearts where we need the most healing, and we don't allow people to let us heal. We don't allow people to love us as us, and that's what we really want. And instead, we put up a representative. And man, that is exhausting. It is exhausting to maintain. And moreover, it's a sham because that's not really me. Might be able to impress you, but it wasn't me, it was my representative. And we want to come out, we want the truth to be known because we want to be known and loved for who we are. But we are terrified of being exposed. And so we shrink from the light and the shackles of the darkness remain. So how do we know if we're walking in darkness? First diagnostic, how much does a reputation matter to us? Second diagnostic, how do we talk about our sins and struggles? How do we talk about our sins and struggles? Now this year, Kendra and I have had the opportunity to lead a community group together. And we've been fortunate to have men and women in our group who. We're willing to share not only their lives but their hearts and to get really vulnerable. And I think uh, in many ways it's been a very healing group. But Kendra recently pointed out that I still have a very difficult time asking for help and sharing my own prayer requests. She said, Steve, sometimes I feel like you're holding back and you're not letting others love you. Now, what is that? This loving exposure. Steve, I feel like you're holding back. You're not letting others love you. And I gave that some thought. And I think this is what it is. It's a lot easier for us to talk and be vulnerable about our past, but it's a lot more difficult to be vulnerable about our present. It's a lot easier to bring our sins and struggles of yesterday, but today, right now, well, that's really hard. And to be raw and real, now, today, means that I have to put myself out there and admit that today I'm still a sinner, that I'm still not put together, that I still don't have it right, that I'm still in need of a Savior. Now, I like what Dan Hazelton says. He says this, quote, "...when we find the gospel to be true and we begin to wrestle with its implications, we are eventually forced to face our stubborn humanity and admit that we are still the walking wounded, broken, yet perpetually healing. But there's a problem. Contemporary church culture requires us to give the appearance of victory. There are subjects that church people cannot talk about. There are activities that church people do not engage in. There are places we do not hang out. Mm -mm. Girls we do not call. Hotel rooms where things do not happen, computers that do not show images that are destructive, relationships that are not failing, abuses that are not stealing joy. In church, there is no shadow or darkness to speak of. In church, we are allowed to speak of past victories over sin, but not battles that are still on our way. As a result, we promote a gospel of our own construction. This is not the gospel the New Testament talks about, the foundation strong enough to bear the weight of the world and the depravity of the redeemed. Ours is flimsy, too fragile to carry our failures." end quote: How do we talk about our sins and struggles? How do we talk about them? Do we merely talk about them in the past tense? Because if we're merely talking about them in the past tense, it's very likely that we're only talking about the grace of God in the past tense as well. And when there are places, the darkened parts of our hearts that remain hidden, if they remain hidden, that those darkened parts remain unloved. They remain unhealed. They remain untransformed. And man, we want transformation. But we are terrified of exposure. And so we from the light and the shackles of the darkness remain. So there you have it, two diagnostics. First, how much does our reputation matter to us? Second, how do we talk about our sins and struggles? How are we doing? Are we walking in darkness? Does this describe us? I mean, how can we shine... How can we shine as children of light when we ourselves are so shackled? How can we shine when we are so shackled and we cower away from the light? And so we hide. So how are we freed? How are we freed by the light? How are we freed by the light? If we hide in darkness, how are we freed by the light? Jesus came into the world as light so that whoever believes in Him might not remain in darkness. And perhaps you're here today and you have yet to cross the line to come to faith. You have yet to go from darkness to light. And maybe the sticking point and the reason is because you're terribly afraid of being exposed. Exposure feels like a bad word. Exposure feels like a death sentence. But our Lord Jesus, He endured the cross and He bore our shame. That's what the Gospel says. He endured the cross and He bore our shame. Translation. Whatever exposure that the Gospel brings it is not intended to shame us, but is meant to bring us a greater measure of freedom. 1 John 1.7 says this. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It's gone. It's disappeared. It's not even there. Period. Done. The Say no more. The shackles of darkness are broken in the light of the gospel. So, how does the light of the gospel free us? How does the light of the gospel free us? First, it allows us to be brutally honest. To be brutally honest about who we really are. It allows us to be brutally honest. Perhaps nobody said it better than C.S. Lewis. Quote, The gospel means we can stop lying to ourselves. The sweet sound of amazing grace saves us the necessity of self-deception. It keeps us from denying that though Christ was victorious, the battle with lust Greed and pride still rages within us. As a sinner who has been redeemed, I can acknowledge that I am often unloving, irritable, angry, and resentful with those closest to me. When I go to church, I can leave my white hat at home and admit I have failed. God not only loves me as I am, but knows me also as I am. Because of this, I don't need to apply spiritual cosmetics to make myself presentable to Him. I can accept ownership of my poverty and powerlessness and neediness, end quote. Now, if the gospel is true, then we can be brutally honest about who we really are. We can admit the fact that the gospel hasn't seemed to change our tendency to gossip or our propensity to harbor unforgiveness. We can bring our darkness, the darkness of who we are today, right now, and bring it into the light. And allow the gospel to shine on it. And we don't need to shrink away from the light because in the gospel we are so safe. We are so safe. And so exposure then is not something to shy away from. Exposure then can... Is it possible that exposure can become the most liberating thing? The most liberating thing. Years ago, in 2010, I wrote a letter to my friend Expressing to him the newfound courage that I've been experiencing, where the gospel is allowing me to be able to speak the truth about who I am. This is what I wrote him November 23rd, 2010. I believe that God is calling us both to come out of hiding, to love our whole selves, our real selves, and to cover us. There is no condemnation on the other side, there is healing and restoration. There's life. There's covering. The Lord God took garments of skin and covered them. That's the good news. The hard part is what feels like throwing ourselves under the bus. What looks like jumping off a plane with no chutes. That's what it feels like when God pursues the real us. Adam, where are you? Can we come out? Can we be loved for who we really are and be covered Loved and embraced? I believe the gospel is good enough. It has to be. It must be. Otherwise, we're wasting our time. End quote. The shackles of darkness are broken in the light of the gospel. So how does the light of the gospel free us? First, it allows us to be brutally honest about who we really are. Second, it brings healing through the loving exposure of others. It brings healing... Through the loving exposure of others. Now when we think of having our sins exposed, what do we want to do? We want to hide, cover up, run away. Yes? What do we do? How do we feel when we think about our sins being exposed to other people, especially the people we actually care about? We are terrified. But one of the most powerful ways for us to experience the grace of God is through the loving exposure and loving embrace of other people. And that's where the gospel becomes three-dimensional. That's where the love of Christ becomes real, tangible, tactile, right here, experienced, can seep deep into our hearts. I need your permission as a church to take off my pastor's hat and to be Steve, steve just not the most... Impressive. Not the most profound. Not all put together. Still struggle with the same old stuff. Stevo. And it is when we are able to bring who we really are that we can be changed and transformed. It is when we are able to bring who we are and where someone can speak to the dark places of our hearts. Where the love of Christ can become And I would love to do that same thing for you because you need that permission to bring your stuff here to CTK, to Somerville, to Boston. Because that's when the light of Christ shines. That's when the light of Christ becomes good news. That's when the Christ in us is able to shine onto the other person. And that is when we are able to experience freedom, when the shackles are let loose and we are healed. It's when we can start to become most ourselves and be most free. G.I. Packer asked the question, if God were to bring revival, what would that look like? If God were to bring revival, how would we know? What evidences would we see? That's a fair question. How would we know? G.I. Packer said this, He says, these will be the the evidences that will always accompany God's reformative work. He says this, quote, There will be a love of holiness growing out of deep conviction of sin, deep repentance, deep gratitude for forgiveness and cleansing through the blood of Jesus Christ, and with that, a deep desire to please God. There will be concern for the local church... They would be deeply concerned about the image that the church presents to the world and any form of unfaithfulness, carnality, false doctrine, formalism, disorder, or wrongheadedness in the church would cause them distress and send them to their knees. There would be a willingness to change. It would be as if they had awakened from a long sleep. They would wonder how they were able to be somnolent, apathetic, and inactive for so long. End quote. The shackles of the darkness are broken in the light of the gospel. So how does the light of the gospel free us? First, it allows us to be brutally honest about who we are. Second, it brings healing through the loving exposure of others. Now, what if we were just able to have a taste of that? Just a small taste, a small dose of being able to experience that sort of freedom, How could that not change our hearts? How could that not change our relationships? How could not that change how the world sees the church, that man, they got something beautiful going on? How could that not shine so brightly here in the city, here in Somerville, here amongst us in this pews? How could that not? And what shines? What shines? It is Christ. It is Christ. He is the light of the world, the source and author of all good things. We we shine as a reflection, and we reflect His light, as the moon reflects the sun. And as we orbit around Him, and hang around Him, and abide in Him, and listen to Him, and allow Him to point out, hey, Steve, that's not the light and allow Him to lovingly bring His exposure and loving embrace, and allow Him to outvolume anything else we might hear in this world, and to allow Him to speak into the dark places of our hearts and to call us out and experience the gospel of grace, then, wow, we will shine. Ever so brightly, the light of Christ in us. In Christ, we are no longer the darkness. In Christ, there is no more room for shame. In Christ, there is no room for fear. zip Zero zilch. Because on a certain Friday, for about three hours, from about 12 noon to about 3 p.m., there was a great darkness that swept over all the land. And this was shortly before Jesus would utter his last breath. And a great overwhelming darkness filled the sky. Because during that time, our Lord Jesus took upon himself the full weight of our darkness. He absorbed the darkest part of us. He absorbed the wrath of God in our place. And on the cross that he endured, he Bore our shame. He bore our shame. Jesus, our Lord, the Son of God, through whom all things were created, this God on the cross was utterly exposed. He was utterly exposed so that we would not have to fear being exposed ourselves. Now, what if we could believe that? What if we could just have a taste? Of that freedom. What if the light of Christ could shine ever so brightly? Because maybe we can believe that it's true. Wow. The light of Christ in us. The shackles of darkness are broken in the light of the gospel. I once heard a story about a guy named Nate Larkin. Nate Larkin began a ministry for people who found themselves in a very dark place for people who found themselves alone with an addiction. And he himself was a recovering sex addict. And he had—he uh, was a husband, he was a father, and he was a pastor. And because he did not want to jeopardize his reputation, he felt that he could not ask anybody else for help. And so he lived and struggled with the sexual addiction all by himself. He, he was convinced that... He, It's his own battle that he had to struggle with. And he said that he would experience a breakthrough. He experienced a breakthrough when he was exposed. When he was exposed. And luckily for him, he had people to come around him and to share with him the loving embrace, the loving exposure, and love him well in the process. And after experiencing a certain measure of freedom, he had this to say. Quote, living in the truth, walking in the light, no matter how other people might perceive it, that's freedom. To know I don't have to perform to be accepted, I always felt bad that I wasn't a better person. I even created this false self, this Saint Nate, this Saint Nate, I even created this false self, this Saint Nate that I tried to make breathe on its own. I felt bad that St. Nate could only only live at church. Now I know that Jesus never loved St. Nate. Jesus loves me. He wants a relationship with me. And that's the only real relationship there is. There is a tremendous liberty when you arrive at a place that's safe enough to be your real self and to say the real truth. There were men who did that for me. Christian men. And I found that I could give the same gift to another guy to sit over some coffee and tell him my story. And even if his story is different than mine, and everyone's life is different than mine in the details, something about my life resonated with his. And so many times, by the time we finished, he'd say, Well, you know what? I never told anybody this, but. And he got a taste of freedom too. God is good. God is love, and if I'll follow the path He laid out for me, I'll be in the warmth of His love. And I love this. He goes on to say, I don't think I ever really met Jesus until I stepped out of my church persona and became just another desperate, broken man. That's when He really became real. End quote. My hope and prayer for you, for us as a church, for us here in this room and for the city of Boston is that the light of Christ might become real. And for those of us here in this room, my heart and prayer for you guys is that the love of Jesus, might, the, the grace of Jesus, the goodness of God might be so penetrating. Wow. People cannot help but to fall the feet of Jesus because the shackles of darkness are broken in the light of the gospel. Let me pray for us. Father, these words will fall to the ground unless you speak to us. These words will not make sense. They'll just be darkened, mumble jumble. Unless God, you can put it together not only in our minds, but in our hearts and seep it deep. For those of us here in darkness wondering, can I can I come out into light? We ask that your Lord, your your grace, O oh Lord, Your your goodness, the love of Jesus might be so real and penetrating and without volume anything else, any fear that they might hear. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.